0: from the band Somehow Hollow and you are listening to the I Gotta Ask podcast. everybody. Thanks for tuning in to episode number 17 of the I Got Asked Podcast. My name is Daryl Oliveira, and I'm the host of this program. Returning listeners, you know I love and appreciate each and every single one of you for continuing to support me as I strive to continue to release cool and relevant content. Uh, if you're a new listener, this podcast is about talking to cool people that do cool things. Uh, my main area of interest is music, so... Uh, this podcast tends to lean fairly hard towards music- musicians as guests, but if I can grab people in other fields or that have other cool projects on the go along the way, I will do everything I can to uh, bring you some of that variety. Uh, with that said, today's episode's guest is another incredible musician that plays in two of my all-time favorite punk bands. Uh, he's as much of a cool guy as he is a badass drummer. His name is Josh Lewis of the amazing Fat Records band, The Bomb Pops, and also of the super awesome and talented band, Murderland. Uh, this was an exciting episode for me, guys. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Josh's for quite a while, and I was over the moon when I reached out and uh, he was into being on the show. Uh, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I discovered the Bomb Pops a couple years back and fell in love with how hard-hitting Josh's drums sounded uh, in their tunes, uh, but also how funny he was to watch behind the kit. He's super creative and talented, and it really comes through in both the Bomb Pops and in the Murderland material. Uh, Josh might be one of the coolest people I've ever had the pleasure of having a conversation with. He's very open and honest, and I had a killer time talking with him about both of the bands he's currently in, his early musical pursuits, how punk found its way into his life, what it's like to spend a ton of time on the road with bandmates, uh, band fights, uh, witnessing and helping out during a very scary diabetic emergency, and a whole ton more. So... I can't say enough about this guy, and Josh, if you're listening to this, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It really meant the world to me, for real. All right, folks, if you're not familiar with the Bomb Pops or Murderland, I'm going to play a song from both of these bands. Josh and I discussed his drumming in the chorus of the Murderland song, Sadie Hawkins, so I'm going to play that tune for you. But before that, I'm going to play one of my fave tracks off the Bomb Pops' latest album, Death in Venice Beach. Uh, It's a track that's near and dear to me as a diabetic, and it's about the diabetic emergency that Josh was a part of while on tour with the Bomb Pops and uh, which we also discussed in the episode. Uh, It's called Double Arrows Down. Following those songs, I'll roll the podcast intro music, and we'll uh, get into the conversation. So thanks again for listening, and please help me out by subscribing to the show wherever you listen, and follow me on the show's social media channels. You can find the I Gotta Ask podcast on Facebook, as well as on Instagram by simply searching for at I Gotta Ask podcast. That's it. So without further delay, please enjoy these next couple tunes and uh, my conversation with Josh Lewis. Peace.
1: Sitting here, tired of living life that's filled with fear. It's not fair. I'm just sick of being scared. Sometimes life deals you a shitty hand. Sometimes your day does.
2: just a fuck ton of people out oh yeah i was like oh dude it's been sunny and like 60 plus degrees up here for the last four ish five days yeah everybody is just like dying to go outside and they're really they're uh relaxing some of the restrictions so you can sit inside they have 50 percent capacity i think at bars and stuff um people are just dying to go out. So everybody is out right now. It's fucking wild. (laughs) Yeah. I
0: mean, like I'm, you know, you know me, I'm from Canada, right? From Ontario. You guys Mm -hmm. have been through here. You've been through London. You played like call the office and shit like that. So you know what the weather's like here and same thing. It's been, you know, it's been about 50, 50, 55 degrees, right. In American Mm -hmm. talk, like for us, that's like 12 degrees C and it's right. it, It feels like fucking summer,
2: you know? Yeah. It's wild, dude. It's wild. And I've, I've heard of, uh, of a fake spring slash first summer in seattle and this is it because at the end of next week the temperature drops again the rain comes back uh and then actual spring happens <laughs> somewhere around may i think yeah uh, i'm not entirely sure but i'm getting I'm, I'm getting it i'm getting
0: used to it same with same with here i mean that's the same shit that happens here we there was it was like you know, 72 or 75 degrees last week. And then this week it's right back down to the fifties again. Right. So it's, it's up and down until you hit May. And then after that, you're, you're pretty good, you know? Yeah, totally. All right. So we're recording. I just wanted to let you know, um, the levels sound good. The phone, (laughs) the phone sounds great without, without a headset or earbuds or anything. It sounds awesome. So perfect. (laughs) All right, Josh Lewis, man. Thanks for being here, buddy.
2: Yeah, I'm just sitting in my truck on the side of the road right down the street <laughs> Hikes Place Market. Uh, hanging out. How's it going?
0: I love it. I love it. We were just talking about you being out on a hike there. I know you're up
2: in uh, Seattle now, right? Yep. Yeah, I moved up here in November. Uh, I got a job offer in September, and uh, I had to take it. I had to get my feet back on the ground. And um, yeah, my boss is a fan of the band, nice. and part of the deal is... You know when touring starts back up again, which I'm hoping it looks like. It looks like it might be the end of this year. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I can, but um, I'm I I'm allowed time off to tour and to do, you know what he knows is my biggest passion. I love growing weed, but music runs my life. It has since I was a child. Um, it's. I'm 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 extremely fortunate. Um I get to do two of the things that I love more than anything else in the world and and make money at both of them and it's <laughs> yeah. uh it's pretty good. It's awesome. Uh it's it's hard to shake a stick at.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like well, I can imagine. How did you get hooked up with that cannabis company though?
2: Did you know the owner beforehand? Uh, um I didn't. Uh I was dating a girl in Seattle and I came up here to see her in July and we sat down. Uh, Joe noticed that I was coming up and commented on one of my Facebook posts like, Hey, uh, I own, I own a a cannabis farm underneath the West Seattle bridge. Like, let me know if you want to take a tour while you're up here. And, um, one of the kids that was working for him went to a party and this is like peak COVID times. And so, (laughs) So it was like, look, I don't feel, com- I told him to stay home for two and a half weeks. I don't feel comfortable, you know, bringing anybody and putting anybody at risk like that. Uh, I'll meet you, I'll meet you at a bar. We'll sit on a patio and I'll show you the security cam footage and, and this and that. And uh, I, we sat down and he sh- sh- pulled up the first video and showed me a still a still frame of the video. I mean, the video still, there's nothing going on. There's nobody there. Um, And I was like. I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but like I know that Jen mentioned that I worked on a pot farm, but I I ran multi million dollar machines. Like I I I know this really well, and I could tell you ten things that I see wrong with this picture. And he's like, by all means, and I just went into it. <laughs> First of all, you can't have your plants on the floor. Um, you've got half as many plants as you could actually fit in that room. Uh, there, there, there was a lot of, a lot of issues and he bought this farm from some dude who failed. He bought a failed farm. So it's starting from square one all over again. Oh shit. And he had it from, he had it for maybe nine months before I came on board. So they, you know, they made it work and they did what they knew how to do, um, and when I came in, we maximized the canopy space in every flower room. I, we've added at least 25 to 35% canopy space in every single flower room, except for one, which is about to happen really soon. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, just by putting all of the plants on trays that are movable and having one rotating aisle instead of three aisles, um, it's uh or if you have two rows of plants you need four aisles and that's burning at least another row and to a row and a half of plants that you could have in this room that you could add to your harvest oh shit so you're um,
0: like, you're improving the, the the scenario quite a bit there it, right?
2: it's um there's there's a lot there's a lot of issues there's no ac in the flower rooms Oof. so they were high pressure sodium lights they switched to um ceramic ceramic metal highlight 630 watt hoods with um led light bars flanking those hoods so in the aisles they've got led light bars so way cooler it, now right it's it dropped the the temperature significantly yeah, but there's two there's two really small flower rooms that require even less i mean in in the middle of summer last year which was their first you know ex- experience with these this new light setup yeah uh, With no air conditioning in those small, small... I mean, every other room has got 12 to 15-foot ceilings. These rooms have 8-foot, 9-foot ceilings. They're really small rooms. And the temperature was getting upwards of 105 degrees. Holy cow. And it's only for like maybe a month to possibly 2 months out of every year. But that's not... It's not ideal. ideal. Yeah, it's
0: not ideal, right?
2: You grow you grow weed indoors to create the best environment possible. Yeah, yeah. If you want to grow weed outdoors, grow weed outdoors. Right. But if you're going to grow indoors. You need to be able to create the best environment possible. Um, Joe has sunk a bunch of money into this place, and there's no more money to spend until we start. Until we start harvesting every 11th, to 12 days and pulling down no less than 18 pounds every harvest Yeah, and get on, get our own brand on the recreational market. Right now we're wholesaling all of our product to other 502, um, growers or, or dispensaries and Mm. they package our product in their brand label. Okay. So it's, it's a way to, it's a way to move weight and it's a way to pay bills but it's not ideal. We're getting half to to a third uh, to 2 thirds less than we should be getting. Right. Um if we were packaging and wholesaling to the retail stores, right, not right. wholesale for a wholesaler who's then wholesaling to a retail yeah, store. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's got to make money and if you're yeah. at the bottom of the chain, you're making less money than you should. Yeah, totally. Uh, There's money to be made on the high-end market and on the low-end market. And uh, my boss had another tier one. We're a tier two indoor farm. We have a license to grow up to 10,000 square feet of canopy space. Uh, We're only utilizing 4,500 square feet right now because of the building that we're in. Right. So our goal is to maximize the, the flower canopy space as much as possible, grow as much Good weed as we can over the next twelve to eighteen months, and pay the bills and hopefully put some money away to look into moving into and renting a bigger, an appropriate size. Yeah, grow. Yeah, whether whether it's built out or not, I I would prefer it not to be. But to build out a ten thousand square foot building that's still only going to put us at maybe 7,000 square feet. So we're going to need a 15,000, 16,000 square foot spot Jesus. to have, a pro- to have appropriate uh, dry room, to have appropriate trim and processing and packaging spot. Um, there's a lot involved that doesn't include the canopy space. And I've always been like, I I want to get into a 10,000 square foot building. I want to get into a 10 and it's like I've got a 1,000 square foot license. Yeah. Now, we've got a a 16 17,000 square foot building because we've got to have enough room for all of our clones, for all of our product yeah. to dry to dry. I mean, if an, in an ideal situation, we would have two dry rooms. Because we would have eight flower rooms and one flower room would come down every seven days. Right. Um, that is the most ideal indoor commercial machine style setup. It's a constant flow of products. Yeah. Yeah. Keep turning it over. As long as you have a trim team and and your and your grow team and they're working in sync, it's it's brilliant. Um is We're all, is all that shit trimmed by hand. We trim all of our A buds, all of the big buds by hand, and majority of our B buds go through a trim machine right. and then get and then get cleaned up by hand, yeah. and then. Uh, but the B buds, they're they're cheaper on the market, anyways. Yeah, uh, we would probably get. Three fifty to four dollars a gram for our a buds, and maybe a buck fifty, maybe two bucks a gram if we were actually selling to the the dispensaries. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
2: but it's uh, yeah, it's wild, man. It's um, it's my first. I've I've been growing weed for a while, but we operated on the grayest market imaginable in Southern California. Yeah, um, yeah. We, were, we were medicinal. <clears throat> until recreational came along and then we were still medicinal um, and we didn't, it, it's just, we have to weigh every leaf that we throw away. If I cut a bunch of clones and cut off a bunch of leaf, I have to take all of that, weigh it and then throw it away and put it in the system. Um, every plant, every clone that's cut needs to be, Traced from the day that it's cut until the day that it's cut down, and then after that, that product is weighed as a wet weight, and then it's dried, and right. that's all. Tra- it's uh, it's 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 crazy. The laws are uh, pretty
0: wild there, man. Like, what's what's the, what are the laws like in Seattle? Like, is it recreationally legal there or not?
2: It is. It, it is. is. Um, Washington was the first state to recreationally legalize marijuana, and uh, I was actually up here. On the day that it went legal, and at midnight, everybody went outside the bar and <laughs> went, It was fucking brilliant. It was, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, uh, you know it's all legal here now, right? In Canada, yeah, it, everywhere. It's,
2: it's it, that's brilliant, man. Um, Mexico did the same fucking thing. Mm-hmm. We're coming. It's coming. It's yeah. gonna take a little while longer still. Yeah, sure it is. People don't understand. that It's just like, and I thought I. I I got into an argument with my old boss. I'm like, there's no way that they can't federally legalize it. And he's like, do you think the government wants to admit that they've been fucking lying about how dangerous this quote unquote drug is to people for hundreds of years, they've been full of shit because it's safer than alcohol. It's safer than cocaine. It's safer than fucking any other drug. Yes, sir. Um, it's not even a drug, in my opinion. No, I don't see it that way either. It's a substance that I use frequently to stay sane. Agreed. Uh, that, that's that's it. Uh, and I fell in love with weed at a fairly young age as well. I was <laughs> 13, 14 years old, yeah. and I never, I never would have imagined. When I lost my job working for that Italian restaurant in Culver City mm. in 2011, um, I started trimming weed with Neil, my bass player. Yeah. And um, we were working on uh, Mama's Trim Crew. This old Philippine <laughs> lady had a trim crew and she took us to all kinds of farms and brought in product to her pad and had us trim at her house. Uh, she's, I believe she's still doing it. She was still doing it right before I left LA uh, because I lost my job on the Compton farm. My boss sold it after we got robbed the third time. Oh, shit. The dude who bought it, um, everything was fine. I was running it. Everything was cool. But then his ex-wife found out that he bought a pot farm trying to hide money because they were going through a divorce. So he had to quick sell it. Sold it to this dude who owned a dispensary in Merino Valley or something like that. And I was promised a job throughout all of the transition. And Jason came in about a month, maybe a month and a half after he bought it. And I knew my guys were on borrowed time. And I was just like, look, man, just give me me two weeks so I can give my guys a a chance to find. And he comes in with a security guard from his dispensary. And he's like, I've got to let everybody go today. And I was like, dude, that sucks. Like I asked you for two weeks so I can give my guys like, like some notice. And he's like, no, I've got to let you go today too. Here's a $1,500 severance package. And, uh, and I'm like, dude, I've been running this farm for four and a half years. I've got shit scattered all throughout the, the attic, throughout everything in here. You're going to see my face every single day for at least another week until I get everything that I own out of this farm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh,
2: but so I lost my job and I was working for for mama again for a while. And <laughs> when I started working for her, we were getting paid 200 bucks a pound. And when I was working for her last time, she gets no less than 125 to 150 bucks a pound she's paying her people like 80 bucks a pound and uh the weed if it's garbage and it takes it, it take it'll take all day to trim a little over a quarter of a pound yeah. it's like yeah. oh, i just made 20 dollars 40 I, I mean like it, it's it's ridiculous yeah that's crazy uh, yeah but uh yeah man it's i had i had I had to take the opportunity. Uh, neither of my fans were thrilled about it, the idea, but at the end yeah. of the day, to think that all of us are going to live in the same city forever, as brilliant and as beautiful as that sounds, it's just, it's, it's unlikely.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: um, it's a two-hour flight. I have no issue going back to LA, back to Southern California. It'll always be my home. I love it down there. My whole family's down there. My extended family, my chosen family. Yeah. Um, Is that where you're from originally? Are you from Cal? I, I, I was born and raised in Apple Valley, California, uh, about an hour and a half northeast of LA. On your way from LA to Vegas, you pass right through Victorville. My hometown's right on the outside of that. Okay, cool. Um. Neil and I, along with our friends, Mike Rudin and Tim Apple, moved to Hollywood in two thousand and five to go to Musicians Institute. And um,
0: yeah, actually before before we get into it, let's let's tell the people for anyone that anyone listening to this is probably gonna know who the fuck you are because they're tuning in to hear you not me. But why don't you give give yourself a little bit of credit here and introduce yourself real quick? Tell everyone what bands you're in and what uh we've been up to lately.
2: Well, I uh, I played drums for a couple of bands out of L.A. Um, Murderland and the Bomb Pops. Um, the Bomb Pops put out a record two days before the fucking planet shut down last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's okay. Everything's fine. Um, the world's on fire, but everything's fine. <laughs> um, and uh, Murderland, I, I joined Murderland and... The summer of 2007, right after I graduated from MI, um, and three months later went on my first ever tour. We did 21 shows in 23 days Holy or some shit. shit. It was, um, we took an, an extremely aggressive route up the coast and inward and down and <laughs> it was, it was awesome. Um, we had, I, th- I think we had two days off every 10 days. I think that's, that's how it was. We had Holy one day God. off and then the last, I, I can't even remember the route, but I feel like the last day was a day off. It was a drive day home. So we had one day off in between the entirety of the run right. and then a day off. <laughs> um, something like that. It was, it was, it was aggressive. Um, uh, <laughs> But that's when, I mean, I, I already knew that all I want to do, what I'm supposed to do is play music, play right. drums. right. Uh, but that was when I realized that I could. Uh, sleeping in the van every night, pulling into Walmart parking lot, sleeping on people's floors. Yeah, uh, It's a vagabond, gypsy lifestyle. Um, I can imagine. But I, I dig it. I love it um music grabbed a hold of me at a very young age mm. my parents have uh, uh big holiday keggers at our house oh yeah and they would I have band play every single time and every single time from the time I was old enough to walk until they stopped they stopped having those parties when I was 11 12 years old uh I would sit Indian style right in front of the pa speaker just absolutely enamored by the band (laughs) just jaw on the floor absolute in in my happy place but i didn't even realize what it was and i would always fall asleep right in front of the pa speaker my dad would pick me up and carry me to bed and the next morning every time without fail i would wake up super early there's drunk people and hungover people (laughs) sleeping on the floor on the couch and i would come out and just bang on the drums (laughs) guitars. it was it was um (laughs) it grabbed a hold of me at a very young age and going into sixth grade in the middle school, my parents asked me what I wanted to do for my elective. Did I want to take a foreign language? Did I want to do uh, wood shop or ceramics or choir or band? And I'm like, uh, I think I want to be in band. And they're like, well, we bought you a guitar like two years ago, you little fucker. You never even picked it up. Uh, What do you want to play? I think I want to play drums. And it was it was over from there. Uh, I did beginning band in sixth grade and in seventh grade, I got moved up to wind ensemble and marching band. And I marched from seventh grade through my senior year of high school. Nice. Uh, I had friends that were older than me and the same grade as me uh, that had been playing drums for longer than I had. Um, so it was, it was nice. I'd just go hang out with my buddy Mike after school and we'd just sit there and play drums for hours and hours and hours. Um,
0: it, uh... Is that the guy that's in the garage with you all the time in the, in the video, like the videos that he did for the, uh, what's that called? The National Drum League stuff?
2: That's, that's, uh, that's my best friend, Mike Garrett. He, I met him my freshman year of high school, um... The other mic I was talking about was Mike Labs. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I went, I went to, I went through elementary school all, all through high school with him, um, and in fifth grade he had to do a snare part for this little play that we were doing, and his snare drum was drum set tuned, so he needed a mute and he didn't have one, and he's like, "Can I just have Josh like hold hold him <laughs> up the head?" So I sat that I sat <laughs> while we played it just holding the head keeping the drum a little bit quieter uh, and i was like Man, i want to i want to do this i want to play drums like it, it's it's always i've always been fascinated by it and even when my parents bought me that guitar they bought my little brother a drum set oh. and I, I would just push them off and just <laughs> hit them just like it there's something about hitting things that yeah. i just enjoyed yeah and uh yeah, so we we went to we went to mi in 2005 and studied for two years I have my associate's degree in percussion it's uh, oh, nice it's it's the only degree I'll ever have so that's cool
0: <laughs> so you and Neil went to mi and then
2: yeah you... I've, I've known Neil since he was three years old holy cow and he is. 33 turning 34 this year. Okay. He and I have been playing music together since he was 14 years old. So we've been playing music together for 20 years. Wow. Um, we used to jam out in, in our buddy Drew's shed, uh, shed in the middle of the desert. Um, we started bands when he was a sophomore in high school and I was, a uh, senior and, um, the connection that we have because of that amount of time playing together, writing together. Um, it's, 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 it's beautiful. It's, mm. it's hard. It's hard to come by that type. Uh, I, we're constantly reading each other's minds while we're on stage. We don't even have to look at each other. Um, if i'm gonna do a different fill that's gonna interact with his baseline or or overlap his baseline it's almost as if he knows i'm feeling it sure and it up and he just follows it every it's 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 uncanny really
0: um it's amazing when you play with people that long you start to like you said it is just like reading each other's minds you just know where the person's going right
2: yep yep and uh Murderland's the same way we're all very very in tune with one another and with with our performance with our with the the way that we all play yeah uh it's uh it's 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 fucking awesome murderland I, is
0: super fucking tight man like that when you guys did like one of the first things i saw from Murderland was the bridge city sessions because i went to youtube right and uh try to avoid that, spotify and like, streaming bit. shit but I went to YouTube, saw that Bridge City Sessions, and became obsessed with the band. You know, it's so Yeah,
2: Yeah, um, we haven't toured since, like, oh, man. We haven't toured since, like, 2013. Oh, wow. You, you didn't tour uh, any of the
0: Splitsville stuff?
2: No. Wow, that's unbelievable to me. I don't think we did. If we did that was the last tour we did
0: uh, yeah cuz i think mike and we
2: put that back rec- we put that record out in 2016 right <laughs> yeah we recorded it in 2012 we are a classic for that wow uh we recorded a record in 2009 and put it out in 2012 <laughs> and then recorded that one in 2013 <laughs> uh yeah i'm i'm pretty sure that's how it went um we toured and played all of those songs but nobody knew them because we didn't have the record out yet i'm almost positive because there's no way it had been at least it had been at least seven years wow um but yeah so we did we and, and i call it a tour it was three shows yeah mike we was played, telling we, me last week we played san francisco we played oregon because uh, our buddy Matt Wilson moved up to Portland recently and it was his birthday and his band was playing a show and he really wanted us to play a show. Right. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm totally down. And my other guitar player, Tony was like, well, let's make a tour out of it. We'll do San Francisco, Portland and Seattle. And I was, like I said, I was dating that girl at mm. the time. Uh, so I was like, uh, yeah, sick. I mean, I'll just stay in Seattle for like a few weeks and then I'll just fly home. Um, so we rented a van, and they dropped it off at the airport, and all flew back home. Um, I went over the next night and played a show with my buddy Mike Moen um, over at the at the Manette in Bremerton. Um, that was that was a that was a good time. Mm-hmm.
0: And Tony, Tony, and speaking of Tony from Murderland, mm-hmm. he went to Mi too, right?
2: I don't know.
0: I thought I'm Mike. Not, I thought that's what Mike was telling me last week. Is that he went to MI as well?
2: If he did, he definitely went before Neil and Jerry and I. Because mm-hmm. Jerry, the bit yeah, Jerry went bird, too. Yeah, that's that's where I met him, and that's how I ended up joining that band. Right. Uh, the original lead guitar player Jesco mm-hmm. also went to MI. Oh, okay. He, and jerry went at the same time maybe that maybe that's Um, what
0: mike was telling me sorry i haven't edited the episode yet so i'm still a little i I need to refresh my memory on it
2: so i think that's i think that's what it was jessico the the original lead guitar player one of the co-founders of murderland it was jesse jerry and mike that that started murderland yeah that sounds Um, familiar now now you say that without mike murder there is no murderland (laughs) Uh, we, we would we would probably at Attempt to play a show without Mike, but it would fucking go pretty bad. Yeah, he's uh,
0: he's pretty much the the front man. You know that everybody knows his voice from that from those
2: albums. Absolutely. He, uh, everybody, every one of us is and has been replaced. <laughs> uh, uh, we're all replaceable except except for uh, Mike. Yeah, it's. Uh, which is funny, but my buddy Mike Mowen over in Bremerton,
1: yeah.
2: his boy has been around since '91. And that band has had something like 63 different lineup changes. Holy. And there have been multiple times where some shit came up, band broke down on Mike's way, and the band's there and he's on his way. And he's like, I, I can't make it to the show tonight. Uh, who's there? like and they go over a list of people who's there he's like all right ask go ask so-and-so if they want to sing tonight <laughs> <laughs> my, buddy, my buddy joe boyle's done it uh a, a bunch of people it's uh it's that 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 kind of freedom is is pretty awesome yeah uh it's that not giving a fuck attitude oh shit i can't make it yeah i know there's someone that knows enough of enough of songs to sing a fucking half a set yeah so you guys can say yeah totally <laughs>
0: I just got to say, too, Mike is I mean, I'm sure, you know, Mike very well, obviously being in the band with him all those years. But meeting him last week was a fucking thrill for me, because like I said, I'm a huge fan of both Murderland and the Bomb Pops. But Murderland is like I'm fucking obsessed with them right now. And so getting a chance to talk to Mike was amazing. And he's
2: like the fucking coolest guy in the world. Yeah, he's a he's a brilliant human being, man. Yeah, Uh, he is an incredible writer. He's an incredible lyricist. He's an incredible songwriter. And he's an amazing front man. Oh, Tom, that dude has more charisma in his pinky fucking toe than anybody I've ever met. I think it's it's wild. Yeah. Um, And when he gets on stage, it's just anything. Literally anything could happen, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which it's uh, it's. In our, in our early years, we were a horror punk band and, and we stuck fairly true to it. We wore eye makeup and, yeah. and, uh, but, um, we slowly, we slowly turned to the pop side mm-hmm. and, uh, we're a pop punk band now. Yeah. We still play, still play our old songs cause they're fucking good songs. Absolutely. Um, but we're a pop punk band and also I'm not sure if Mike, Told you this. I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to be talking about this, but I'm gonna. Uh, Murder is writing two records right now. Um, one is a Murderland record, and the other is a wizard-themed metal record. Wow, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be really fucking cool. Um over the whole quarantine, Tony and Pat and I were sending songs back and forth, and yeah. I pro—I programmed the drum parts for the demos that they sent me, and um, I got a little ambitious in some parts. It's going to be—it's—it's uh, going to be a challenge, and I'm stoked. Yeah. Um, it's uh, so you program parts that
0: like you're now going to have to play, obviously, on the record or, tr- or attempt to play on
1: <laughs> on the record.
2: Yeah what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the demos that they sent me. I'm going to mute the program drums. I'm going to track drums to them. I'm going to send them back to them. They're all going to re-record the guitar perfectly. Right. At home. Cause we can all do that. Now we've all learned how to do that over the last year. Um, which is pretty, it's, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, we should have been doing this way before we had to do this mm-hmm. just simple fact. And we've been able to do this for quite some time now with, with even with just garage bands. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and it's, I've always wanted to learn. I took a drum programming class at MI. Um, but that was pretty much the extent of it. And I always sit in the, I always like, I love to sit in the control room and, and watch the engineer
1: mm-hmm.
2: what they do about. I've always been fascinated with it. And, um, learning how to run pro tools, uh, uh logic pro and, uh, and, and track my own drums. Uh, it's been, it's been really fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, I ha I have to thank my buddy, Mike's wife, Casey, for buying me logic, uh, mm-hmm. while I'm down in the dumps, uh, sleeping on their couch in their garage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did hear you talking about learning, learning
0: like to use the digital audio workstations and it's not something I like either. I, I can kind of do it, but it fucking, it's really hard.
2: It, it, it really is man. And just like, uh, just using iMovie to edit videos together and stuff. I'm just like the first one I did took me for like, for like a two and a half minute, three minute video. It took me like seven and a half hours yeah. to edit the goddamn thing together. And I'm like, this can't be there's got to be an easier way i've got to be doing something completely just like the absolute most possible way yeah um but it's uh it's been it's been really fun to learn how to do those things Mm -hmm. it's made it's made it's gonna make the quality of all of my content in the future much better
0: yeah um yeah there's something to be said for being able to record shit at home like ideas at home in a in a good way right instead of just into like yeah you know voice notes on your
2: phone or some shit yeah which i mean it works kinda not for drums yeah (laughs) yeah
0: Now, it's, uh, Mike did talk about you guys recording some demos, but he didn't mention anything about this wizard theme metal record, so now my now my ears are really fucking perked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said anything, but I don't do shit. I can edit, <laughs> if you want to talk to him about it, I can edit it out later if you want.
2: Okay, I'll, I'll talk.
0: <laughs> so uh, we talked about how you met those guys a little bit back, uh, but you didn't tell me how you ended up joining. He, Mike kind of talked about it a little bit, but from your perspective, how did you get linked up with Murderland? Before we move on to the Bomb Pop stuff, I want to talk about
2: Merlin a little bit. So, more. Tommy, their original drummer, also went to MI. Um, and he just started flaking out on a bunch of stuff. They went out and did a couple shows on their way out to Vegas. And he flew home while they all had to drive back home because his girlfriend was there. And he, uh, the first EP that they did that lights out, that mm-hmm. seven song <laughs> He only did three of those seven songs. Um, our buddy Vinny, um, played uh, drums for my friend Doug's band, the stab outs. And they called Vinny the night before the first studio session. And they're like, dude, we haven't talked to Tommy in, in a week and a half. And we have to record this record tomorrow. Uh, can you learn four songs and track drums for these songs tomorrow? And Vinny already knew the songs fairly well enough. Uh, when you're when you're good, you're good. Um, and he went in and played the songs to the best of his ability. And it, they sound great. Uh, they sound better than the songs that Tommy tracked, in my opinion. Um, and it was right around that time, Vinny called Doug and was like, man, Murderland just called me and asked me to track some drums for the record. I guess Tommy's fucking up. And Doug got off the phone with Vinny and texted me immediately. And he's like, don't tell anybody I told you this, but Murderland might be looking for a drummer. And I was like, really? what's going on? He's like, I don't really know the details, but I guess Tommy's been fucking up. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll talk to you later. And I got off the phone with him and I texted Jerry. And I was like, yo, <laughs> so I heard. So I heard through the grapevine that you motherfuckers might be looking for a drummer. <laughs> I want the first audition. And I got it and I went in and I had all the songs charted out with notes and hits and just little things that I needed to get through the song without listening to the song and then playing. And they're like, what song you want to play? I'm like, what song do you guys want to play? They're like, uh, October sky. And I started it. And we, it, it, we played through that song and they're like, okay, well, what about this one? We played through that song and they're like, kind of looking at each other, like, did, 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 did that just happen? Did we just find a drummer like that? Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, then, I, then we started playing some shows, and we did our first tour, I think it was September. Yeah, I probably joined the band somewhere around April, May, right around the time we graduated MI. Mm-hmm. And I feel like September was that tour it could have been late september into early october because there was a stretch of like 10 years where every single year on my birthday i was on tour in a different city Mm -hmm. Uh, it was pretty cool but being on tour in a different city and having a beer birthday everybody's just feeding me shots (laughs) and my 23rd birthday i'll never forget Uh, holy shit. Was that the first tour? No, couldn't have been. No, that was the second tour. Um, maybe the third, but my birthday we were playing somewhere in Oregon and we played two sets that night. There was a a burlesque show and a show and then another burlesque set. And then we closed out the night. Wow. By the second set, I was fucking hammered drunk. I I can imagine. We got through it. I'm not sure how great it was. Um, (laughs) And we're hanging out, and I'm hitting on the fucking, I'm hitting on the bouncer's girlfriend (laughs) playing pool. Um, And I end up needing to go to the van. And on my way to the van, I throw up. (laughs) Mike puts me in the bottom bunk of the van and goes back into the bar. They're hanging out in the bar after hours, drinking, smoking weed. A cop walks into the bar and is like, hey, any of you guys know Josh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they're like, everybody looks at each other like, fuck, it depends. Like, what do we? (laughs) And like, he's hanging halfway out of the van. There's a big puddle of puke underneath him. I just need somebody to put him away and and wash the puke off the fucking concrete. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike grabs a bucket of water from the bar, goes out there, puts me to bed, washes the puke away, and goes back inside the bar. Oh fuck. Um. Yeah, that was that was my life for a for a while. On my birthday, it was. I was twenty three. I was a fucking child. I yeah. Clearly didn't know how to drink yet. Um, how old a guy are you right now? I'm 35 35,
0: yeah, okay So you're not much yeah, you much younger than Mike,
2: really You're five years younger than Mike Yeah, I'll be 36 in October
0: Yeah, nice Yeah, so I, I'm 39 So we're, we're close We're all close in age Which is kind of cool Um. So, okay, so you're with Murderland I'm assuming you guys shortly after those tours Probably recorded Prelude to a Kill Even though you didn't put it out for a while We did
2: 2009 we recorded Prelude 2009, okay and 2012, I think Really? Right. What's
0: the what's the delay in releasing the albums? Just just because like they're not ready yet, or
2: they need some more time to be mm-hmm. worked on? We've done everything ourselves. We put out every record ourselves. Pat has a record label, Pirate mm-hmm. Records, mm-hmm. and they 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 basically paid for the recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, last record we paid for by playing fucking weddings. Um, we're also a wedding. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Mike Mike was telling me beloveds and uh it's it it's so much fun it's uh me first style um covers oh nice kind of of punk them out we rock them out there's a couple that we kind of stay a little more true to but we uh we're we're a rock and roll band for playing for your wedding like that's what that's what you that's what you get sounds fucking Uh, awesome yeah it's really it's it's fun um but uh With uh, playing for Murderland, I've met so many people and the Bomb Pops former drummer, Dylan, mm-hmm. Dylan Wade went to MI. He started MI six months before I graduated. Oh, wow. And I was actually messing around with a who was a music business major at MI. Um, and that's how I met him. And then one day, we're playing with this band called The Bomb Pops, and uh, Dylan walks in, and I was like, Dylan? And he looks up, he's like, oh, shit, what's up, Josh? And uh, we played the show that night. That was the first night that Mike and Polly met, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, and shortly after that, they kicked their bass player out, um, or they quit. I can't remember if that was Ryan or not. I think there was one in between him and Ryan. Mm. And then after Ryan left the band, Neil joined the band and, um, he was in a real shitty relationship and I moved him out of his place and he was sleeping on my couch, but he was going down to San Diego a couple times a week for practice. Mm. He would stay down there for a few days at a time. And I just told him, I was like, look, man, this is what we moved to LA for. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, dude, I know you better than you know yourself (laughs) and is your best shot at what, doing what we want to do. And uh, so at this point,
0: you and Neil are now both in the band. Uh, I'm going to assume you guys hit the road and started playing gigs pretty much right away and and touring. Uh, What was that like? Like, do you guys, did you get along? Uh, do you get along now? Like, what's? I'm always curious of what that band dynamic is when you have to spend all that time together uh, <laughs> in a van on the road.
2: We all fight. They bicker a little more often, just because uh, of how close they are. But right. Neil and I fucking bicker all the time. Me and Polly uh, it's we all we all being on the road with somebody for weeks at a time, not having much of a separation, if any. I always try to like go and have dinner by myself once in a while just, just, just to get away.
0: Yeah. Just to have some Uh, alone time, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, it, it gets, it, it, it builds and we've gotten a lot better about talking about problems as they come up and not letting them stew because we didn't used to do that. And they would stew and stew and then they would blow up. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Hence the argument on "Death and Venice" beach. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. I want it, I wanted that, to ask
2: you about that because that whose voice it, it, is that at the start of that song? At it, uh, it's me. I'm, I'm it yelling at you. the girls. Uh, it's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a long story. They got mad because I went back inside to pee, and they're all in the van ready to go. There was still like two cases of beer and somebody's guitar on the sidewalk. Yeah. Um, and and they're like yelling at me as I'm walking out of the venue, and I'm like. Yeah, we're really ready to go. What about these things here that need to <laughs> be And it just it just escalated, and I fucking lost it. just like, that's it. I'm fucking, if you, this is how you guys are going to be. I'm going to fuck, we're going to track this record. I will do two, three tours, and then I don't know if I can fucking. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, Neil is just fucking dying laughing the entirety of the fucking (laughs) argument and he's recording it in his in his on his voice notes that's what i was wondering i'm like why is this being recorded neil recorded it (laughs) the the whole the whole thing is pretty brilliant uh it's a lot longer than that (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's uh he had a halloween party in 2019 and i went over there and him and jen are like hey we need to talk to you and I was like, Oh, what now? And later on in the evening, they pulled me into the room and Jen was like, do you remember that argument we had? Uh, and I was like, which one, dude? <laughs> um, she's like the one after the interrupter show. And I was like, um, yeah, she's like, Neil presses play on his phone and it starts playing. I was like, Oh my God, you fucking did. <laughs> uh, yeah. Definitely recorded it. And they're like, they're like, we showed it to Fat Mike and he wants to he wants to use a clip on the record. And I'm like, dude, totally down. Um, and it's everybody's done that. Lagwagon's done one, yeah. a bunch of bands done it. And like most of the time, it's like rehearsed. That is raw and real as fuck. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> it, man. It sounds like it is. It was uh you could tell it, you were yeah. fucking pissed in I was, that clip. I was I was I was upset because it's like well, not only are we not ready to go, you guys are yelling at me like I'm holding up the fucking bus, but there's still stuff that needs to be put away. Oh, it's my job to put that stuff away. Right. I had to take a piss.
0: Right.
2: I figured there was people standing outside of the van when I walked back inside that it was going to get put away, yeah. but it didn't get put away. Um. Uh, <laughs> but we all have, we all have our roles. And one of my roles is packing. I'm the the better packer, uh, Tetris master yeah. of the—that's one of my jobs. It's unfortunate, but it is. I have more gear than everybody else. Yeah, I—it's just something that comes with being a fucking drummer and not having a road group. Yeah, drummer's um, tough for that for that reason. Yeah, um, but we're getting close. I'm almost able to actually afford a a, a drum tech. Um, nice. But uh, yeah, so, so... So Neil was in the band before you were in the band? He was in the band about a
0: year before me. Okay, so and they saw the other drummer, obviously the, the one that went to MI you were talking about? Dylan, yeah. Dylan, and then how do you end up in that band then? How did the Bomb Pops pull
2: you in? Just through Neil or Mike uh, or how did that shake out? Or both? Through, through Neil. Uh, Neil has joined and disassembled and reassembled many bands over the years. Um, we played in a band called The Natives, that he kicked out the drummer and the guitar player and brought in me and our buddy, Keith, (laughs) um, he played for this metal band and replaced one of their guitar players. He's done, he's done it quite a few times. And Mm. once Dylan started fucking up, Dylan, Dylan's a great drummer. Um, chemistry is everything on stage, off stage. Yeah. And, and Neil was just like, Hey, uh, you know, I know a guy and they all knew me at that time too. Um, And they were, it was the, the year that they did the um, East Coaster tour with no effects and anti-flap. And I should have been on that tour, but Mm -hmm. it was here for them to do it with Dylan because he already knew the songs, not realizing I already knew the songs, right? It would be a flawless transition. And it ended up being that, uh, but that, the girls are just very particular about having things a certain way, and I, I got it. I understood. And Dylan's last—I think his last show with them was the No Effects show in LA at the House of Blues, and they brought me backstage, um, which was kind of weird, hmm. but um, but it was cool to see to see them open up for No Effects yeah. and re- realize you know what I'm going to potentially be doing fairly soon. Yeah. Um and then they parted ways with Dylan and I joined the band. Um we've been grinding and grinding and grinding ever since.
0: <laughs> so what record did you first play on
2: then with them? Can of worms was the first record that I tracked with them. Okay. The, okay. the other two EPs, Dylan tracked both of those, gotcha. I Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I Neil mean- they stole the TV. But I think Ryan is on Like I Care. I see. Um so
0: then yeah, I you touched on the band fights for a little bit there. I know we, we, we strayed a little, little bit away, not not tons. That's my fault. I, I wanted to know what the order of the joining was. But speaking of fights, I heard Paulie <laughs> recently on a video say she put you in a chokehold after one of these fights. Is that how legitimate is that story? And what are the circumstances?
2: Um, yeah, she she definitely she definitely did. <laughs> uh we were in we were going to nashville the next day um where were we that doesn't matter where we were we were at the hotel it was after the uh show right and Polly was sad she missed her kid and i said something along the lines of you know you know we all make we all make sacrifices to do this, you know, this and that, and the other thing. And she got real mad. Yikes. Uh, and obviously alcohol was involved. We were, we were both drunk. Uh, it was after the show. Um, But yeah, she, she did. She got me good. She got me, got me a nice little scratch behind my ear. Uh, <laughs> my neck was red for about an hour. I ended up getting my own room that night, obviously. Uh, the band went and did their own thing. And I was legitimately looking at plane tickets. Yeah. Home. Yeah, like, that That's enough. I can't like yell at me all you want. Don't fucking choke me out. Like don't, you yeah. know, and, and I'm guilty of it too. Uh, I, we were in San Francisco. We were going to stay at fat Mike's house and Neil was in the van and Ryan was in the front seat. I was in the passenger seat and Neil got in the van and the girls were going to walk. And I don't even remember what happened, but Neil wouldn't stop talking. And I asked him to stop talking like six times. And I just turned around and I slapped him in the mouth. Ooh. And I'm just like, and he came at me and like, oh, shit, around a little bit. And I opened the door and he fucking jumped out of the van. And I'm just like, and so he ended up walking there with the girls and Mike. And when they got there, uh, Fat Mike made me let Neil slap me in the face to so call it even. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to see somebody get slapped.
0: That's awesome. That's such a good resolve. Uh, and it's such a Fat Mike resolve, you know?
2: Yeah, that's like, that. That's, that's that's my little brother. I asked him to stop talking. I was trying to explain something and he just wouldn't fucking let me. Right. The only way out to was just to turn around and smack him. It was open. It was open fisted. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, but yeah i mean murderland has never had those types of fights oh really Um, we've we've had small arguments um but we we've we've never toured like the bomb pops tour either Uh, um we for the first few years i was in the band we went on a couple two three week tours every year uh but mike a couple years into it was just like look i it was right right before jesco right after jesco Said that he didn't want to tour anymore and wasn't really sure if he still wanted to be in the band. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike was like, Yeah, I don't, I love this. I'm never going to leave this. I'll always write lyrics, I'll always play shows, but I don't want to be a touring musician. Yeah. And me, Pat, and Jerry were all on this train like, I will put everything I own in a storage unit tomorrow and hit the road for nine months if I have to. Yeah. I've had that mentality since before I moved to LA Uh, and I hope someday that it happens. I mean, I, I love traveling. I love touring and I love playing shows. Yeah. Uh, Performing for an audience is one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. Uh, You can
0: definitely see that, man. Like, and you know, that was one of the things I I sent you as part of the show notes was, you know, I wanted to tell you how much, I, I can really tell that you love playing the drums. When I watch you play the drums when I hear those recordings, you can tell that you are into it at every fucking yeah. second that you're behind that kit.
2: Yeah, it's um I'm I'm in another world. Um I I've always made a joke, but I'm pretty sure it's true that when I'm in the middle of that zone, you could come up and punch me in the fucking face and I wouldn't even notice. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, even like, even just like
0: how little things that, you know, people, maybe people, some people don't notice. I notice a lot of that shit. Cause I'm really into all the different moving parts of the band, right. Including what <laughs> the drummers like and how creative he is, which I think you are insanely creative by the way. And, uh, but even like shit, like the Ar- stick twirling, you know what I mean? Like when you twirl the sticks in between, like that's Ar- stressful for me to watch, but I
2: love it. Without, without marching, for six years, like I did, we had two incredible drum instructors. They both went on to march for a professional drum and bugle course and came back to their hometown to instruct their high school drum line. They were twin brothers. They were world champions. Oh, wow. Um, and we had, I had five years in eighth grade. They were getting us ready, um, to come in to, high school marching band and we had five solid years of strict military style drum corps training if one person made a mistake everybody puts their drums down and does push-ups while that person that made the mistake stands at attention oh shit if you do that a couple of times that person's not likely to make that mistake (laughs) um I'll never forget one time the bottom bass player, Matt. um, He couldn't get this part. And we, I swear to God, we did 350, 400 pushups, 20 at a time. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) Probably more than that. It was was ridiculous. And Joey, uh, one of the tenor players picks his drums up and he puts them on and he points over at Matt and he's like if you fuck up one more t- I'm gonna see your ass in the parking lot after practice <laughs> and this kid starts crying he's standing at attention guess what he didn't fucking do he didn't fuck up he nailed his part from that moment throughout the rest of the rehearsal sure um, it, it sometimes it takes uh, an an ass whooping threat to <laughs> yeah to, I guess to, so and it's like, and we took a, obviously Tom and Pete were like, okay, let's take a five minute break. And the baseline sat down and they went over it and they went over it and they went over it on the floor, play your part, count your part out loud and and drilled it into his head. And when we, when we got back in line, he fucking nailed it. Um, it's quite, it's without, without, without drum line, I would not be the drummer that I am. That's, that's a guarantee yeah. um, from the, tools to to the uniqueness of, of the parts that I write. it's um, drumline I owe a lot to Mark and Tom. Yeah um,
0: I've heard you say too that like the, the drum core stuff was the stuff that really got you like practicing with a metronome and being really focused
2: on being bang on right uh, every every day during during drumline and after school, if we were practicing the field show, or anything, we had a metronome blaring through this fucking megaphone, loudspeaker, battery-powered. It was the most annoying Mm. thing, but my time is really good. Um, Definitely. I owe all of that to them making us play with a metronome. And Mm. It's important as the drumline to be on tempo Uh, Or the entire fucking train Falls off the tracks 100% Uh, man We're following We're following the uh, The uh, God damn it What the hell are they called? The uh, The band leader um, And the band is following us Right It's uh, If your foundation's shaky your shit's gonna um, yeah um totally and that's
0: and i think i told you that too i I don't know if it was in the messages or in the notes i sent you but like you and neil you you can totally tell the bomb pops are have that solid foundation right i mean with i think without that that wouldn't be i wouldn't be as much of a fan of that band as i am but with you guys in there it just makes it it makes it fucking rock you know what i mean like it's so solid it sounds great
2: yeah it's um i've I've had people tell me, you know, like, I always kind of visual, I always kind of saw, you know, Murderland as kind of a fuck around band. My buddy Shay used to tell me this all the time. Um, and he's known those guys from back in high school. They all grew up together in Davis. And he's like, I've always liked Murderland. I've mm-hmm. always thought we were a good band, but I didn't think that they were much more than a fuck around band until you joined the band. Like, you made that band a real thing. Yeah. You, like, made it into a thing, yeah. and uh, I I always appreciate when when people tell me that uh, I I I love playing drums. Mm. That's that's it. That's the long and short of it. Yeah, I'll play drums for whoever needs somebody to play drums. Um, that's what I love to do. Yeah, at one point in time. I was playing drums in seven bands in the greater LA area. Jeez. It was, I had rehearsal nine days a week, (laughs) Uh, seven days a week. And at the minimum, two of those seven days were doubles with one band and then another band back to back. It was, it was, it was great. Uh, My chops were up. Everything was perfect. um, But it's too much. Yeah. It's overkill Uh, almost it absolutely is and so I started cutting the fat yeah and um
0: now Mike told me that you played a show once where you were on like in three of the four bands
2: that played or something I was almost in four of the four bands that played <laughs> I was so mad um yeah I used to pull double and triple headers all the time Jesus um, i I love it it's, it's but how do you- my
0: where the fuck's your energy come from? Like, how do you keep that up all night long? Um,
2: it adrenaline's a fucking crazy thing, and the second that song starts, no matter what band it is, um, I played for the Bomb Pops, for Murderland, and for Code Four Fifteen. Uh, Code Four Fifteen was out of Santa Barbara, and um, I was their final drummer. We put out a we put out a four song EP, and and the band broke up. Uh, Matt moved to Oregon. Steve had a baby. Uh, I don't even know what the fuck happened to Scott, but I think he got married and is doing something. I think he's still in Santa Barbara. But um, yeah, I used to do that all the time. Uh, Murderland, the bomb pops and the natives, hmm. code, Murderland and the natives. Uh, it. I'll play drums all night long every night if I could. Yeah, uh,
0: you know what you reminded me of? Like your your career path. I mean, like. I mean, I don't know. What the fuck do I know about career paths of musicians coming from L.A.? But um, it reminds me a lot of, like, what Josh Freeze did,
2: right? Like, playing in... Yeah. I mean, uh, when Murderland nicknamed me Josh Sleaze after Josh, (laughs) and I was absolutely fucking honored. Uh, Josh Freeze is one of the most tracked drummers ever. He's toured and recorded for fucking everybody and there was a point in time uh my instructor at mi for that uh for that drum programming class um donnie he was like i know uh josh and his wife fairly well and for a, a, for like a two-month period she called every producer every band everybody in la and they're just like she's stop giving josh work I, he's never home. I never see my husband. Stop giving him work. Yeah, he's um, on the road. That man is. If if I can accomplish a fucking fraction of what that man has done in his career, oh, I will consider myself extremely successful. Yeah, he's an uh, animal man. He he absolutely is. And we when we played with the Vandals over in Europe uh, in 2019. I was so stoked, and then I found out it was Steve-O playing drums from Sum Forty One, and not Josh. Um, yeah, but uh, I'll meet him. I'll meet him someday. Oh yeah,
0: you guys are going to cross paths for sure. How can you not?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's absolutely inevitable.
0: Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna ask you, like, if he was st- if you knew if he was still playing drums for the Vandals because he's off doing so many different. Like, I saw him play with the Vandals years ago in the '90s, and then I saw him again in the mid two thousands play with Weezer when
2: they came through Toronto. Yep. You know, he's just with everybody. Yeah. He, whenever he can, he'll play with the Vandals. If he's home and they've got something going on, if he's, if he's over in Europe and he's got a day off and they've got a show, like he'll, he does that. He he loves that kind of shit. I, I get it. (laughs) Oh yeah. I would do the same thing. Sure. And yeah, it's, uh, when they, when they gave me that nickname, I was, I was very honored yeah. uh, to be, to have the same fucking name as somebody like that.
0: Yeah, uh, no, totally. It's, it's understandable. It, it is an honor, man. Like, and, and again, I think it's well-deserved. I, I think you're, like I said, if I, if I was looking at a career path and, and trying to compare you to somebody, that's definitely who it would be. Cause like I said, you've got that, obviously you're solid. We've talked about that, but your creativity is another like huge one for me. You know, like even in like, like in Merlin in the song Sadie Hawkins, like that little part you do where you're on like more of the straight ahead beat on the ride and in, in the chorus. And then you do that mm-hmm. little, you kind of go into the, you know, the quote unquote punk beat for a second, but then you back off and then go right back into it. Like most people just yeah. play that straight ahead beat until they got there and then switch over to the punk beat, right? Right over the hi-hat. But like mm-hmm. when I heard that, every time I hear that, it gives me a fucking smile.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I stole that from, uh, Derek Lagwagon's original drummer. Um, I feel like Trey Cool does it somewhere in a Green Day song, too. Hmm. Um, but uh, little little things, man, just you hear over the years and yeah. incorporate it into, it's like, oh, shit, I know what I can do here. That would sound really cool. Yeah. and It's not normal, but it works. Oh, it works great. And, and as long as it doesn't interfere with any other part, I think it leads into that fucking chorus brilliantly.
0: Yeah. It just um, gives you that little, like, it just gives the listener that one little extra thing to, you know, perk their ears up. Like, oh, fuck, that was kind of different because you're not used to hearing it.
2: Yeah. It, it It's uh it's picking up the tempo and then picking up the tempo. Yeah.
0: Now, who else are some of your influences? You talked about, I mean, obviously you like you like Josh Freeze. We were just talking about that, but... Who else are you uh, over the years that you grew up listening to thinking, I want to I want to be able to play like that guy?
2: When I first started playing drums was right around the time Travis Barker joined Blink-182. I was 11 years old. Um, Travis is a big influence on my playing and my on my flashiness in my
0: That's fucking per- hilarious that you say um, that not to interrupt you but that is fucking hilarious that you say that because that is always in my head. I wanted to say that but I didn't want it to sound corny. I want to say the two most creative drummers I think in punk rock right now are Travis Barker and you, but I don't want to like
2: I um yeah it's I I've been playing his Zildjian sticks as shitty as the wood is. Sorry, Zildjian uh <laughs> uh they they are Perfect. The balance is, it's a, it's a miniature Ralph Hardeman. It's a marching stick for a drum set and it just feels right in my hands. Um, I found a few comparable, um, with Vic Firth. I've got an artist endorsement deal with Vic Firth. So, um, it's, uh, I'm, I'm still searching for the perfect stick, but I go back to Travis's all the time. They're, they're, uh, they're phenomenal. Um, cool. Guys, I mean like I mean obviously like the the legends, uh John Bonham, Neil Peart, uh, sure. uh and then guys like uh Derek Grant, um, even Mike Flimley, the the the, the first drummer from off Trio. Um, Dave Ron uh is a fucking monster. I love watching that man play drums. Um I mean I could go on for yeah. way anybody's got time for. Jamie Miller, Ad Religion's new drummer. He used to play drums for Snot uh, back in the '90s, and watching him play drums every day on that Punk and look tour in 2019 yeah. was my favorite fucking part about that tour. He That's is awesome. such a- he he they they. It was a bummer that Brooks left that band, but Brooks deserved. raise and he got a fucking raise playing drums for revenge sevenfold he's absolutely killing it Hmm. Uh, and i actually thought about auditioning for that band Uh, but they're all they're all too old i like to party they don't like to party (laughs) um it's just honestly even if i could play the songs oh absolutely could. But it just wouldn't work out, so I didn't even I didn't even think about it. Yeah. Uh, my buddy uh, Jono from the Swellers, he auditioned for that band. Uh, that band I'm talking about, Bad Religion, like it's just some band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but watch, watching Jamie play drums with that band, they found the they found the perfect fucking fit. Losing Brooks Wackerman is a pretty it's a big loss, and it's a big set of shoes to fill. Yeah, and Jamie absolutely crushes it um he is he's absolutely perfect for that band mm. and it was a pleasure watching him play drums every day
0: yeah nice so getting back to the bomb pubs a little bit because we're we're into hour two here now and i don't want to run out of time i want to be able to talk about all, or ask you all the things i want to ask you about uh surrounding that band so um this latest record death in venice beach the drums are absolutely enormous on that album like uh, not that they sound bad on any of the other stuff you've recorded. Obviously I love your sound, but that particular albums, the drums just sound fucking huge. Like, a, like that opening, um, fill at the start of like, uh, California in July and stuff like that. Like w- where was that recorded or like who mastered that to make it sound like that?
2: Uh, we recorded that at black and bloom in the same place that we recorded, um, the first, uh, to the FOMO and, uh, deer beer. um, the bass drum that we used on that session was an old i want to say like 90s premiere um, it was actually dan one of the owners of the studio's old drum set from high school or some shit and we we uh we went over a few different options of what Fogel had in the in the back mm-hmm. and i ended up on that one and uh I can't remember the toms that we used, but I, I I just used what they had in the studio. I was going to um, drive to Laramie and pick up uh, Brandon Carlisle's Clear SJC kit mm-hmm. and do that, um, but it just made more sense to use what Fogel had in the in the studio, and um, it it was mixed by Fogel at Black and Bloom and mastered... Shit, did Andrew mix it too? Maybe Andrew... It was mixed and mastered at the Blasting Room. Okay. Uh, And Andrew, one of their editors, um, is getting into the the whole mixing and mastering thing. So he did it. He mixed it. And um, I want to say... Jason mastered it. Okay. I think... Um... I think so. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I've been very fortunate enough to work with engineers who love tracking drums. Yeah. Um, Ian, the dude that's done all the Murderland stuff, uh, he's my favorite engineer to work with. He's so easy and he loves recording drums and specifically my drums. Um, yeah, you'd have it's, to almost. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot, and I play loud, and uh, you've got to dial back lots of uh, <laughs> overtones, figure out mic placements, and it's uh, it can't be easy. I yeah. know I'm not. Easy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, but you do hit hard though, right? Like you are. I I do. Yeah. I you don't you don't you don't get the true sound out of the drum unless you hit the drum. Yeah, and. Uh, I will admit that there are times that I'm hitting my drums and cymbals maybe too hard. Uh, If it's a particularly angry day for me or whatever, maybe, (laughs) Uh, maybe it's just an angry part of the song. But uh, another thing that marching band really helped me out with was dynamics. Yeah, Um, It's absolutely necessary. And it's uh, while I do hit hard, I know when it's time to play quiet, how to play quiet.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: It's uh, and again, Mi I helped out a lot with that too. I had never had instruction on a drum set until I moved to, to LA and went to Mi in two thousand five. You didn't ever uh, have take lessons before that. I just march, just marching band. Holy cow! I I I, me and my Mike Labs and Mike Garrett and. The, the two errands and everybody that I marched and played drums with in school taught me how to play a drum set. And it was ba- mainly by just watching them and then sitting down and trying it. And for, forever, the worst fucking thing to get over as a drummer is separating your right hand and your right foot. Your right foot wants to do everything your right hand does, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I struggled with that for about a solid week and almost gave up. Just like, fuck this. <laughs> but... Um, I, I joined jazz band my senior year in high school and played drum set and, uh, and went to MI in 2005, two years after I graduated. And, um, first time I had an actual drum instructor and sat down next to someone on a drum set and, um, everything else was like band related. You had rhythm section workshop classes where you would go in and you would play with a bass player and a guitar player. You would learn the song, you'd come in and you'd play it. Um, It was, it was, it was awesome. It was absolutely worth it. Um, Yeah, I can imagine. Like getting top
0: tier professional instruction like that has got to be huge for your
2: Yeah. And and you're working, you're studying under working musicians. These people are not only just teaching here. They're teaching here five, six, eight hours a day. And then they're going out and gigging every night. They're going on tours every other month. They're actual working studio musicians. And just to see what it takes to be a career musician was, was worth it because it, it, it lit a fire. And I'm just like, I want this, I need this. And, um, you know, obviously starting out, it's difficult. You've got to work shitty jobs and, then you're pulling 16, 18, 20 eighteen, twenty-hour days. Right. You've got to got to work eight hours, and then you've got to go to rehearsal for two hours, and then you got a gig after that. And it's it's a lot, but uh, it's it's all it's all I've ever wanted.
0: Now I know you said before that the album dropped like two days before the pandemic broke, right? Because I was super excited about seeing you guys come to Canada and play. I had my tickets bought for the the London show at uh, Call the Office, and then. You know, the world goes for a shit, everyone, everything stops. Did you ever think about doing drum instruction yourself? Like to kids instead of working, you know, these this other like I, you know?
2: I have. Um teaching anything always makes you better at whatever it is you're teaching. Um I've I've given a few lessons here and there. Um it's that's that's a plan see for me i i don't love teaching um i i can and i'm good at it Mm -hmm. but i would prefer i prefer to play live sure i i could it's 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 definitely a possibility and i might actually explore the idea of doing some hand technique uh lessons on tour show up three hours before the doors and sit down with Josh for an hour and he'll go over this and that and this, but you know, I can't really set up a drum set and give them a full on lesson.
0: Yeah. It's tough. Uh, right.
2: But that's, that's an, that's a pretty easy way to make a little bit of extra cash on the side mm-hmm. on tour. Oh, absolutely. Um, growing out uh, Chris and Jake and Rob, all three of them uh, would do that almost every show. One of them would have a lesson. Sometimes all three of them. Um and it's if if people know who you are and want to play like you, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
2: take a lesson from your favorite drummer. Oh, fucking right. Be amazing. It's, yeah. My buddy so Nate.
0: My buddy Nate does that. He's he's a he plays drums in a band called Intervals. They're like kind of this like uh, instrumental new metal kind of band, right? Or I don't know if I'm fucking classifying them right or not. But he does that. He does lessons. I don't think he does in person on the road, but he definitely does like virtual while he's on the road. And yeah, you log in and, and I, teach people, right?
2: Yeah, um, I've been I've been throwing around the idea of doing like one minute hand play uh one minute playing technique lesson videos and just posting them on Instagram every once in a while um, through the national drum league page and through my page. And uh, we need, we need to get back onto the national drum league train. Yeah. Um, I want to
0: talk about that a lot. A whole,
2: with the whole, with everything that's been going on, it's just been really difficult. Uh, Jesse is absolutely killing it with Oculus drums right now. And they're, uh, he's been, he's been busy building drums and, um, we need to get, we need to gather a bunch of content and have at least three to five posts a week. We need to get back, yeah. get back. in, And, um, we've still got four or five interviews that we haven't even edited to attempt to air yet. Yeah. Uh, but we just, we're, we are just kind of feeling everything out when I, I moved up here uh, everything was absolute chaos for a few months for me um, it's finally starting to settle down work is finally starting to come along and um, i'll have a little bit more free time on my hands to uh, get some of those videos edited yeah. and get get back on that train uh, Tell me a little bit about just,
0: drum league though like national drum league how did that
2: all start and what was the idea behind that? Uh, Jesse started it a few years ago, um, as just a thing for drummers by drummers, not affiliated with any companies. Um, just the National Drum League. He came up with the idea and and did the uh, took the MLB thing and put a drummer in it instead. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's, it, it's brilliant. It I love cool. it. Um, eventually we're going to have, actually, I think on the website we have three different, uh, three quarter baseball sleeves. Yeah. Uh, it's national drum league. Um, and eventually I would like to have a color for every team. Uh, just oh, that'd be sick or, or jerseys. Um, for you know team remo or or something like that if we could do like a collab with with some some companies and kind of like it's it's just we're we're trying to do um a lot of charity work uh i want to have people that have broken down shitty beat up burning drums to donate those drums to us we'll clean them up Mm -hmm. and don't a family or a school or some, you know, uh, someone that needs drums that could maybe couldn't afford it. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. And when, when he asked me to be a part of it, uh, again, I was, I was stoked. I was honored. Um, And we've done a lot of cool stuff. We've, we've gotten a lot of really cool interviews with a lot of really rad drummers. And, um, we, we just need to build our face, our, our, our Facebook audience, our Instagram audience and our YouTube audience specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and YouTube's just so hard. I, I've been trying for so long and I'll, I'll do good for a minute and it'll seem like it'll jump a little, but it's, uh, it's coming around. Um, it's a tough place to stand out to unless
0: you already have a following on somewhere else. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: but it's it's working um and it's 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 fun we've got it we've got to get back into it i was just talking with jesse uh last week we've got to get we've got to get back on the horse Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so you're continuing with
0: the interviews then you guys you're going to keep doing interviewing drummers you know as often as you can like going forward or
2: yeah we're uh we're gonna try to keep doing that and uh Try to, I mean, it's with with uh, linking up with Stupid Rad Merch, Simeon runs our, our website um, and we just got to keep putting out cool shit that people want to buy and um, figure out a, uh, I, what I, what we need to figure out is a, a donation drop spot for anybody that has an old snare drum beating around mm-hmm. in their or something like that. Um I wonder if you is, could
0: I wonder if you partner with like music or, stores like like Guitar Center
2: or something like that and if they'd let you drop yeah. shit. There. Um I've actually been meaning to talk with somebody at Guitar Center. Neil used to work for Guitar Center. Oh, really? um, at Diner. He was a senior designer there. Oh shit. Uh yeah he he that kid is is killing it right now. He's doing so he he left Guitar Center right before again right before the pandemic hit. And his plan was to work from the road and work from home. And he's got his whole home office set up and he's just, uh, he's, he's killing it just designing for himself now. And that's, uh, that's pretty rad.
0: I want to talk to him. Maybe you can get in his ear for me and see if he'll, if he'll, uh, agree to uh, be on sure. here. Definitely. Yeah. his he's been like, you know, aside from his graphic designing and all that kind of stuff, he, I mean, and we talked about his killer base work. Like he's just, mm-hmm. he just seems like a very hardworking guy. You know what I mean? Like what, looking at his Instagram, looking at all the bands and stuff, like, He's plugging away.
2: Yeah, he uh he does he does a lot for the Bomb Pops. That's for damn sure. A lot. Um Yeah. Yeah, we we'd be lost without Nealer.
0: Yeah, he's pretty amazing. Like even his bass work. Like I'm not a big bass player. There's one hanging behind me on the wall, but it's only cuz I just got it. I just recently started fucking around with bass a little bit, but he was that color there on the walls and with the maple neck is because that's what Neil plays. I always saw him in the, in the videos and shit. I'm like, that's the fucking coolest color base there is. I mean, I got to get that. And then just listening to his, some of his stuff and trying to learn those parts. I always thought being a guitar player, primarily, I always thought, Oh, bass is just, you know, you play the root note and whatever, but there's so much fucking more depth to it than that. And Neil shows that for sure. Even in the bomb pop stuff. Like it's amazing.
2: Yeah. That, that kid shreds. Um, his dad was a bass player. His first base was uh maybe it wasn't his first bass, but his Uncle Tom gave him his dad's old uh what is it a sixty seven it's a sixty seven P bass body with a seventy three jazz bass neck or something oh, wow. like that. Nice. Maybe maybe it's opposite. Um Best of both worlds but, either way. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful guitar and he uses it for recording every once in a while, but it stays in its case at home for sure.
0: Yeah. That's not something you're going to, you're going to take on the road. No way. You know, it's, it, there's too much value in that shit, especially when it's been passed down to you, like family wise,
2: you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. And trailers get broken into all the goddamn time. Yep. Trailers stolen all the goddamn time. Yep. Uh, You don't want to take your prize possession on. No. Just not a. Even if it's the best playing fucking instrument you have, take a shittier playing instrument because you're going to be real pissed when that best playing instrument you have is no longer there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, like, the difference in sound, if you buy, like, a quality backup of some kind, you, you know, like, this, this bass here is a Mexican bass, and it sounds great. You know what I mean? Of Fuck, course.
2: Whatever. It could be a squire and sound great. Yeah, absolutely. No question. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's... uh, they're, they're, For a time... I mean, and it's still, it's it's going to start happening again. There would be people that would find the local shows, they would pay for a ticket, go to the show, check out what the fucking bands are playing with, and follow one of the bands after the show. And if they're going fucking 10 miles down the road and pulling over to sleep, they're getting robbed. It's, um, <clears throat> it's extremely unfortunate, but it's, it's part of something that we have to deal with.
0: You know what? And I, I've known enough bands that have toured and told me horror stories like that over the fucking years. It, it's 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 disgusting, really. You know what I mean? If you're a fan of music in any way to steal somebody's fucking gear, like especially for some of these bands that are touring, they don't have money to fucking eat
2: some nights, you know? Right. Absolutely. It's uh, yeah. When when we started out, we're sleeping in our van We're sleeping on floors. We have three dollars per meal twice a day. We What's get three dollar items from whatever fucking fast food joint we could find, twice a day, and sometimes it was once a day.
0: Yeah, it's uh, that's a horrible way to fucking tour. Like, I mean, and a, a lot of bands
2: do it, but uh, it's... Yep. that was that was how I started, and I fell in love with it for some dumb fucking reason. <laughs> well,
0: because you get to do your favorite thing every single night, and all the other shit is just kind of gets in the way. It's just yep. part of part for the course, right? Absolutely. Now there's another tune on. Death in Venice Beach that uh Polly wrote about... uh Like, I'm diabetic like Polly. I'm a type 1. Same as her. So were you there when she fucking had that issue where she was in that gas station bathroom and fucking had the low blood sugar and then passed out and did all that crazy stuff? I brought
2: Luke his backpack that had the glucagon pin in it. Oh, fuck. Um, I was inside the inside the gas station. Polly came out of the bathroom. She was not looking good. Luke grabbed a bottle of orange juice out of the the fridge, opened it, started filling up a soda, just anything with sugar. Yeah. And, um, I was like, is everything cool? And, and Luke's like, yep, yeah, i got it. Everything's cool. And after that, he sat her down. There was like a Denny's attached to the gas station. And I went back out into the van and Luke asked for his backpack. I brought him his backpack. They were still, this was before they sat down. And then I went back out to the van. They went over and sat down and, Polly collapsed on the floor and had a seizure. And if Luke didn't have the glucagon pin on him at that time, who knows what could have happened. But, uh, two minutes later, a police truck pulls in and right at, right behind the police truck, uh, a paramedic pulls in. And I was like, shit. And I text Luke. I said, should I move the van? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I knew they were here for us. And, um, Polly went, thank God there was a, cl- if if we wouldn't have stopped at that gas station, it could have been real bad because we were right down the street from a hospital, like yeah. five minutes. And after that was desert all the way to Vegas. Holy shit. Now, now so, why did
0: he have that pen? Why did he have it? Because it,
2: was, it wasn't her pen, it was it, his pen. His wife is a type one diabetic. Uh-huh. Okay. And he knew he was going on tour with a type one diabetic. He's one of those people. And the fact that we didn't have one of those on every tour we've ever done is insane to me. Yeah. Uh, and guarantee we will never ever do one without at least one or two of them. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. One of our bags. It's um, it's Luke saved her life for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I was thinking when I heard that story because I, I remember I didn't catch that detail. She said, I think it was... Uh, I don't know if it was a YouTube video or something where she was telling that story. And I, and I caught that there was a glucagon pen, but that it wasn't hers, but I, I never fully grasped where it came from or why, why the manager had it. Right. And then, you know, it, it, he really did save her life. Cause that is fu- I can't believe yeah. she didn't have her own.
2: Yeah. His, his yeah. wife's a type one diabetic and uh, he just thought to bring one. Yeah.
0: Now that <laughs> for must, sure. I, I think that was also the caveat that got her to, to get off booze, right?
2: It was, it was, uh, it was very shortly after that her and Mike got into an argument at a family thing and she woke up the next day and was like, asked, told her mom, I need help. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not fun. It's booze is really hard on you as a diabetic. I I quit drinking like a couple of years ago now, just because of that. Right. And I mean, weed became legal here and for me, that's way better than drinking anyway.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I never, I never used to drink. I only smoked weed. Uh, I I became an alcoholic over the pandemic. Oh no! <laughs> but it's okay. It's fine. I, I I control it. I control it well enough. I don't need to drink while I'm at work. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you so, know, that's when you start to know you got a problem. <laughs> you can't make it to work without a drink.
2: Yeah, you're bringing that a handle of whiskey to work.
0: <laughs> oh, um, no good the uh i want to go back to a little bit to some of the Murderland stuff cuz you know like i've said a million times i'm a huge fan but murderland has got this cool thing where you guys have these really poppy songs that are fucking awesome and they they still hit hard but they're very poppy but then you've also got the more metallic stuff like 36s and um uh beach bunny babylon stuff like that what's your preference to play do you do you prefer the pop punk more or the or the more the heavy stuff
2: um I love all of it. I've always wanted to play drums for a metal band. Uh in fact I'm I'm trying to start a metal band up here in Seattle. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, just for, for shits and giggles. Uh I play I play with my buddy out of Bremerton. Um I need somebody to play with up here also. Uh just to play music with other people and not just play to a track. Yeah. Um but I, I I love all of it, man. I, I hated pop punk. When I was in high school, uh, if it wasn't grungy, gritty, fucking nasty punk rock, I didn't care for it. Uh, I thought it was pussy shit, quote yeah. unquote. Um, but, uh, it's, um, I, I, as I get older, my taste in music gets far more poppy. I have I found that to yeah. be very true. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I, even listen to some actual pop music <laughs> yeah so yeah that'll that'll that should that should tell you <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i mean i'm in the same i'm in the same boat i mean i always liked pop punk but i also liked heavier stuff but it has to be melodic like no matter what it is i can listen to heavy shit as heavy as it comes but it better be fucking melodic otherwise what's there to keep your interest you know what i mean right so i you know i speaking as taste changing like i've fuck for the last 10 years i've been listening to like also punk and I kind of fell out of love with punk a little bit for a while in my early twenties and then kind of got back into it in my early thirties. But in that whole time, you know, I listened to fucking pop and some, even some pop country, believe it or not. Some, some bands that I just thought were fantastic musicians, not necessarily like (laughs) something I would jam out to, but just great songwriters, you know, and good musicians. So it's not uh, weird to hear you say
2: that your tastes are changing as you get older for sure. Yeah. That's uh, like I said, I used to despise even pop punk yeah pop Think fucking forget about it when but, did, uh, when did you get into punk did you was it like blink
0: that you know you talked about blink earlier but it, was that kind of the the entryway in or were you listening to punk before that
2: i was in fifth or sixth grade and my buddy raul's sister bought him uh at war with society. It was a punk rock compilation. She bought it from hot topic for like a (laughs) dollar. Um, and it had like 30 fucking punk bands on it. Anti flags die for your government. Uh, dead Kennedy's. I mean, it just had some, it had some bangers on it and we were skating in his front yard and he put it on and I stopped skating and just listened for like 10 minutes. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? And I fell in love with punk rock.
0: And for a Um, buck, think of all the bands that she exposed you to, or she was able to, you know, acquire and expose herself and yourselves to for a dollar, you know,
2: for a dollar dude. Yeah. It's uh, a hot
0: topic. No less.
2: Yeah. It was, it was, it's a thing, I guess. Um, it, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never forget the name of that record. Uh, I think Anti-Flags Die For Your Government was the first song. And I was just like, oh, my God, who is this? Um, and, yeah, I just started buying every fucking punk record I could get my hands on. And just so happened that uh, my best friend, Mike, after we met, was super into punk rock. And, uh, yeah, fucking the rest is history.
0: And what about your parents? Did they like what were they listening to when you were growing up? I know you said they had the the, the bands of the Kegger, but like what what were they I listening was, to at home?
2: I was raised on classic rock. Nice. Uh, my dad, both my parents were were huge music lovers. Um, a lot of Zeppelin, a lot of ZZ Top, a lot of Van Halen, a lot of Ozzy, a lot of Sabbath, a lot of uh, just good classic rock. Uh, which I call it classic rock now, but it's probably classical rock now because how fucking old it is. <laughs>
0: classic rock now is like fucking Alice in Chains and shit. Now you know, dude, it's
2: wild. Uh, I'm like, no, that's '90s. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I I was I was raised on on great music, and them having rock bands at our house, well. It, is why I'm here today. Yeah. That's why, why I do what I do. I know for a fact that I, it it grabbed me at a very young age and I didn't realize it until I started playing it. And I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. It's over. This is what I'm supposed to do.
0: It's fucking amazing how like people in your life can influence you like that. Like I've told the story on the podcast before, but like my uncle, I, I didn't even really know what rock music was. You know, music to me was just pop music on the radio, whatever my mom was listening to in the car. And then my uncle right. has this little fucking MR2, 1980-something MR2, uh, with, you know, these deep bucket He says, let's go for a ride in my new car. And he throws an appetite for destruction, you know? And as soon as that fucking opening riff, you know, kicks in, the start of yep. that record, that was it, man. He put it in fucking first gear and floored it, and rock was just like, cemented in. So to hear yep. you say classic rock, I mean, fuck, that's, you know, <coughs> that's definitely the way, <laughs> the way I was raised, too.
2: Yeah, and and I mean the the transition to punk rock wasn't wasn't very difficult. Uh, it's just harder, faster. Yeah. Uh, my dad, my dad listened to the radio a lot. So you know, once once the Offspring started hitting and all that shit, uh, he he loved he loved the Offspring. Um, and your dad it, it loved was, the Offspring. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Smash was a great record and he owned smash and ixnay on the ombre um so it's uh it was it was cool to kind of be able to share a little bit of of my music with him as he's as his music is becoming classic rock yeah yeah
0: (laughs) totally yeah that's amazing that he was into offspring man like my folks would they didn't want to hear anything i was playing you know what i mean if it was up even just a little too loud turn that shit off you know
2: sort of those situations well i mean you got to keep them separated was played on every radio station at least like a dozen times a day oh yeah so if he listened to the radio he didn't have all that much of a choice (laughs) right right yeah but yeah he ended up he ended up digging it
0: um the uh your endorsements you talked about earlier about um Uh, the sticks you were using, but, but you're not endorsed. Are you endorsed by Zildjian for sticks?
2: No, No. Um, I'm, I'm going to work on Zildjian. Even if I just get discounts on cymbals, it still might not be worth it because I figured out the guitar center system.
0: Yeah. I saw that Uh, loophole that you were talking about in, in one of the (laughs) national drum league
2: videos. It's, it's genius, dude. It really is. And, uh, I haven't paid full price for a cymbal again. Sorry, Zildjian. Um, in like 12 years because Zildjian covers it for the life of two years now and I buy a three-year warranty through Guitar Center's Pro Coverage. So if I break it three times in two years, I'll replace it three times through Zildjian and the next time it breaks, as long as it's within a year, um, I call Guitar Center. They send me a gift card in my email. I go back in and I pay for whatever symbol plus or dip, minus the difference and pay 60 bucks to 70 bucks for another three year warranty. And it all starts all over again. That's amazing. Uh,
0: and you know what, yeah. if they haven't figured that out, that's on them.
2: Symbols <laughs> are fucking expensive.
0: Yes, they are. If I,
2: buy one every time it broke, I would be broke. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And you're a touring musician. Like you're not, you're not fucking made of money. It's not growing on trees for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I, I've, I've been offered uh, sponsorship from TRX symbols, from Soul Tone symbols. Um, but I can't justify spending, even their artist deals too are kind of ridiculous. Uh, hmm. I, I can't justify spending $600 on a ride symbol. Yeah. That's crazy. He, me, I'm going to pay $600 for that ride symbol one time. And every time it breaks or cracks, you're going to replace it forever. Yeah. Then maybe we could talk, but that's not the kind of deals that they're looking for. Um, that's the kind of deals that the big companies like Sabian and Zildjian can, can offer somebody like me. Um, I, which I, I'd be, I'd be into, Mm. um, to say that I have a sponsorship by Zildjian would be worth it. But, uh, I was approached on Instagram by this new drum company, Opus Drums. Mm-hmm. Jesse, the founder of national drum league is the owner of Opus Drums. He used to work for OCDP back in the day. Um, so he's built drums for all kinds of people. And he moved to McKinney, Texas. Um, I believe for work and decided to start his own drum company. Um, he's building incredibly he's building really really good quality drums um and he i mean it's it's an option to get a good custom kit for not quite the custom price right Um, yeah right i had pork pie build me a drum set and without the deal that i got um through the recommendation that i got it would have been 5200 bucks. Holy cow. But my buddy Dan, he's a tech and and uh, he's actually played drums for the wedding band a couple of times when I was on tour. Oh, okay. Uh, he he knows Bill real well and he's like, "Yeah, man, just tell him tell him that uh tell him I sent you and he'll he'll, he'll treat you good." Nice. And he built fucking brilliant drum set. It's it's beautiful and I wish that I could have taken it to denver to record the drums would have sounded even bigger <laughs> really? that's hard to if
0: that's can imagine
2: but <laughs> a big it's a big thumb set and they sound as big as they look
0: yeah pork pie has always been you know they're they've sort of been a, the standard right for anybody that wants a really quality kit is going to go there
2: yeah uh they're they're all built right in the valley of la
0: did you get the whole did you get the whole multi thing going on with with the pork pie
2: stuff are they the ones that do all the multicolored shells they did, they did a, uh, a black fade to red for me. Oh, nice. It's it's sick. It's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted. It's uh, it's my dream drum set. And it's uh, when I went back down to L.A. to practice for the first time, I sat behind it in the studio and I kicked the bass drum and I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot about this thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, the monster. It sounds great. Um,
0: one other thing I wanted to ask you about the bomb pops, we're getting starting to get low on, on time here. Uh, I don't want to keep you any longer than I have to. I know you're, you're a busy guys. So, uh, those videos that you guys are, that you guys make, you guys seem to make a lot of videos. There's like a lot of singles, a lot of cool songs. You're making a lot of videos from, are those videos, are they as fun to make as they are to watch? Cause like, you know, like the video for can of worms, for example, is fucking hilarious and it looks like you guys had a blast doing it, but is it, is it draining on you to spend those long days re- making those videos or what?
2: Um, it, it can be, but we, we have, we have a lot of fun with it. Uh, that can of worms video, I was not thrilled to record, um, for, for, a, for the longest time. Uh, and the day of the first shoot, the first shoot was the beach scene and we showed up to Polly's house and I looked at Neil. I said, are we doing this? And he's like, I think we're doing this. I'm like, all right, dude, it's all or nothing. <laughs> And, uh, and, and we went, we went all in and it came out good. I think it's great. It's, uh, it's, it is great.
0: It's, and it does, like, it did come out really well. Like it's, you know, the first time I saw that video, I'm like, what the, what
2: the fuck is that? <laughs> is that Josh and Neil? And I just laughed my ass yeah. all the way through. Um, but yeah, it's, we, we have a lot of fun shooting videos and the, the new videos that we've done for the new record, uh, those have been really fun because it's like location shoots and and uh it's
0: they look it's super professional too. those new ones like like the double arrows down video
2: and uh notre dame is a really cool video too our dude chris grau absolutely kills it and he no effects has kind of adopted him and he's doing videos for fucking everybody now it's uh yeah uh fat record how many kind of has, has
0: he done for you now like has he done most of the, the more recent ones or
2: He's done the majority of our music videos. Oh no shit. Uh, he did the Can of Worms video. He did all three of the new videos. The only video that we've done lately that he hasn't done is the Deer Beer video. Hmm. Yeah. Or no, he shot that video, but he didn't edit that video. Uh. But yeah, he's that that dude is amazing. Yeah, he crushes.
0: Like zero remorse. The video for that
2: song is like it's like a fucking mini movie. It's fucking brilliant. Um, and we had a whole we had we had the 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 treatments that have been brought up for these videos. It's just like fuck. This seems like a lot. Yeah. But the the way they turn out, it's just like oh well, it was worth it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got a, We've got a good team, man. We uh, we're in a really good spot, and we've just got to keep pushing
0: that guy in zero Morse, that that dude that plays the bartender with the i mean i'm sure they're contacts but he's got the, the two different color eyes the big guy with the curly uh,
2: mustache <laughs> uh yeah Tyler Bateman he's a he's a wrestler
0: i i figured he was something like that cuz he look he's so big and scary looking but what a perfect guy to play that role
2: yeah definitely um and the other dude the dude that Pauly took out in the bar he's also a wrestler we have we hired a couple wrestlers for that yeah. shoot uh, and they crushed it. The, the whole fight scene, he's like teaching Paulie like how to fake a punch and fake punch <laughs> balls. And like, it's, it was great. <laughs> it was good.
0: Now recently, you know, I, I told you I've been watching your, uh, your YouTube videos, not, not just the, the stuff for national drum league, but a bunch of other stuff. And you guys did like, um, like a couch fest or something. One of those videos where you played a bunch of covers, you covered a bunch of songs, just like drum covers. And during that, you said, this is a Versus the World song, which is one of my favorite bands, which prompted me to go check them out. And they're fucking amazing. Now they're, now they're one of my favorite bands, too. Um, and I know Tony's obviously involved with them as well from Murderland.
1: Yeah, um, Chris
2: Flagwagon. Um, Mike Davenport uh, from uh, from the Ataris is the original bass player, but he's obviously locked up right now. So yeah. yeah. Pat... Pat from Murderland is playing bass for playing them. Playing bass for them. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love I the re- with that band. Fuck you, Sean Sellers. <laughs> I
0: love you. Um, I love but, the revolving door of musicians like all in that group, like yeah, that little yeah. universe.
2: But they, if they ever need, if they ever need a drummer, they know that, that I'm available. If Sean's out with, with good riddance yeah. or, or anything else, then, uh, then they'll still be able to, to do what they need. Cause as long as I'm available, that they've got a, they've yeah. got a backup.
0: Have you heard their new shit? Do you see the little Instagram posts of them, like practicing I have.
2: Stuff? Um, I, I I've heard a, an exclusive, uh, little pre mixed uh, version, and it's that's great. They're they're such a fucking good band. Donald oh, yeah. is Donald is an absolute genius. He has the voice of an angel, and uh, when I discovered that band, I absolutely fell in love. Um, I love everything they've done I'm sure I'm going to love everything they do And I've been listening to that
0: Homesick Road Sick record Like ever since I I, I messaged you and told you Like thank you for fucking Telling me about those guys Or not telling me But inadvertently telling me about them Because they're now like One of my favorite bands
2: When they put that record out It was on repeat For Like three months I could not stop listening to that record it's phenomenal It's brilliant It really is
0: who else you listening to these days? You, you listen to uh, any new bands or you listen to all the old same shit or what's, what's up?
2: Oh, I've been listening to a lot of Atreyu and Bullet for my Valentine and, um, Census Fail yeah. and, uh, all the shit that I dug back in high school. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've i been a bit of a nostalgic kick lately for sure.
0: I was a fan of Census Fail, speaking of high school. Like that's, you know, the end of high school, just as I graduated, I, I bought a Census Fail record um, and loved it. Loved it. And then I kind of, like I said, I fell out of love with punk for a little while. I didn't really listen to a lot of it. And then when I came back to it, they were one of the bands I forgot about. I just realized that they're still on the go, that their their singer has a podcast now. It's like yep. I'm rediscovering all this shit from my youth and the same bands are around still fucking killing it.
2: Yeah, my my buddy Gavin plays guitar for them now.
0: Oh, that's See? sick.
2: He's Battle Religion's guitar tech. Oh wow! Also, um, but he's been playing with them for. Did they just put out a record?
0: I don't know. One hundred percent. I just found his his uh, I, Instagram page, like the singer's Instagram page, like three days ago. I haven't been I deep think, diving
2: yet. Or, I think they're going to put out a record. They either did just put out a record, or they're about
0: to yeah it's ringing a bell I, I i think i did read something like that in a post that they're either working on it or or it's it's just out i can't remember myself either but like i said i just rediscovered it so i'm i'm really excited to see what that band's all about same with uh yeah. um, boys night out who's like a local local band here to where i live um uh they they're great too and they have a new new-ish record out as well and uh I just nailed it oh, from Chris Swinney because he posted it on his That One Time On Tour podcast thing and said, anyone who wants this album, put this code in. And I fucking put it. I couldn't believe I got it. It had been up for half an hour, and I threw the code in. I'm like, yeah, I have a free fucking record.
2: That's sick.
0: Well, that's awesome, man. I Listen, I, unless you have anything else to add, I, I really have uh, nothing more to ask you. I mean, I'm sure I could sit here for another two hours and ask you a bunch more stuff, but I don't want to keep you. So <laughs> do you have anything else you want to... You want to run uh, past the folks before we say goodbye?
2: No, the bomb pops have something special coming up fairly soon. Um and then we've got punk in the park in Arizona at the end of next month, and hopefully in California at the end of, of the beginning of November. So if you guys play punk in kind of the, the park dark.
0: in November in California, I'm fucking coming. Like if, if things yeah, are open up, I'm sure. gonna be there. I want to say hello to you guys in person. We're on, we're on the bill, so let's cross our fingers that it happens. Yeah, man, Canada's in fucking terrible shape right now. Like, Ontario, where I'm from, is just, we're we're in complete, lo- we're at a stay-at-home order right now. It's like a police state. They've they've allowed mm-hmm. the police to pull people over and ask them where they're going. And n- none of the police services are doing it, because they're like, fuck right. you, we're not doing that, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're just 5,000 cases a day, you know what I mean, in Ontario alone. Like, it, it's fucked up. But uh, as yeah, soon, soon as we're in better started- shape, I want to start traveling and seeing shows again. Yeah, it's it's
2: finally starting to mellow out a little bit here. But well, everyone's they, getting vaccinated, right? They're Reopening up, and it's uh, not everyone's getting vaccinated. No, not everyone, but but there, there are, are a vaccinating a lot of people. That I'm not getting vaccinated. And did you get one? I, I I'm I'm going to I'm going to make an appointment for next week because I need it. Because first of all, I have a type one diabetic in my band, and second of all, I need to tour. I have to tour, and yeah. that's the safety. That's the safest way to do this, and uh, I don't get a flu shot every year. I don't get, you know, I'll, I've I've gotten my vaccines as a kid, but I I need I need it. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's Hit not. Me. A, it's not. Why? Exactly. That's what I'm doing. Like I just I want to get Fuck. it so that I'm protected, so I can go out and and fucking live like normal again. And half these people are saying I don't want it, I don't want it. I I don't fully understand it. You know.
2: It, it, I I think they're comfortable staying at home. It's either or that. Risky lives i don't know well that's it
0: and they i think like a lot of people don't trust it they don't trust the science right because it's so new i I had a bunch of people tell me
2: you think i'm going to be the first one to get that fucking vaccine because it's not introducing the virus to your body it's introducing the building blocks for the virus to your body so your body the virus if it's introduced to your body yeah and yeah it's a whole thing i don't give a shit what anybody's gonna do i'm gonna get it my band's all got it, and once I get it, uh, it's on. Nice. I can't wait. Uh, hopefully, Call the Office is still
0: here when you guys come back around, because that's where I want to see you guys play. It's a, That club has uh, it holds a special place in my heart from when I was younger. I saw a lot of shows there, uh, and also at the Trasheteria that burned down. I don't know if you guys ever played there before it burned mm-hmm. down. But, uh, not the Trasheteria, sorry. The um, the Embassy Hotel it was the other one in mm-hmm. London, but... Um, but yeah, I want to see you guys come around and I hope the world uh, opens back up again. And I wish you guys all the all the success in the fucking world, man. It's uh, I'm sure. a huge fan of, of the Bomb Pops and also Murderland yeah. as well. I mean, if, if those two bands ever played a show in California together, I don't care what the fuck was going on. I'd, I'd have to sneak across those
2: big open spaces in the border near Seattle and come well, down and see it. We every every time. I mean, when we have a final actual release show in L.A. for Death and Venice Beach, which we're going to do. Murderland's going to be playing it. Oh so. my god. I'm I got to be there. I got to make that happen.
0: Oh cool, man. <laughs> um listen, don't go away. I'm going to do a little quick wrap up and then I want to say a proper goodbye to you. So don't don't uh log off just yet. All right, everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in to another episode of the I Got Ass Podcast. This will be episode 17 once it's released. I appreciate all you fuckers coming back. If you're returning listeners, uh, thank you so much. And new listeners, thank you for being here with us. If you're here because of Josh, I appreciate you giving us a listen and and hearing all the stories. Um, Share this around. If you like what you heard, I'm not going to tell you where to find the podcast because if you're listening to it, you fucking found it. So um, if you want to uh, share it around, tell your friends uh, whatever you can do to help me out, spread the word. uh, Follow the Instagram page, follow the Facebook page, and email me at igapodcast at gmail.com and uh, give me your feedback or let me know if you want to be a guest on here. If you're doing something cool, let me know and maybe we'll set it up. All right, guys, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you on the next episode.